0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Podcast. Today, the 7th day of October, 2015, coming to you live from beautiful, finely dry New York City. I'm trying to hold back tears and trying to sound upbeat as I deal with last night's Yankee loss. Again, left heartbroken, first by Kentucky in April. And another October, left devastated by the Yankees. The sad reality is that my life does revolve around the New York Yankees and Kentucky basketball. Last night, like I just said, my heart was truly broken. But as one of my favorite quotes go, you may glory in a team in triumph, but you truly fall in love with your team in defeat. I'm trying to live by that, uh, that quote right now. Okay, on to the show. Two weeks ago, I made my second pilgrimage down to the Bluegrass State. And once again, the amazing people of Kentucky, they showed me so much love. I'm completely overwhelmed when I get down there. Um, From going on Dick Gabriel's show, eating amazing dinner at Rafferty's, I got a piece of the Kentucky's championship floor. I hung out my favorite player growing up, Cameron Mills. I went to Churchill Downs and somehow made it out, out alive of Louisville. It's pretty rough right around Churchill Downs. I can never thank the people down in Lexington enough. But I think the coolest part of my trip was going to Commonwealth Football Stadium. I was there before it was even renovated, and now it's basically a cathedral. And I got to sit in a suite as Kentucky played Florida. While I was there, I got to meet a Kentucky legend who wore number twenty-one. No, 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 not Cameron Mills. Let me welcome to the show former Atlanta Atlanta Hawk, forever a Kentucky Wildcat, the Goose, Jack Givens. What's going on, Jack? How do you know, Mike? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on, Jack. you got to be kidding me, man. I'm privileged and honored that you came on my show, man.
1: Well, I'm uh, looking forward to it. I was, I was looking forward to spending some time with you over this past weekend. As you know, my wife and I were coming there for uh, our 30th anniversary, and the weather kind of scared us off. So we had to cancel, and we'll be there in a couple of weeks. But you're going to be gone, so I'm not going to be able to spend any time with you.
0: I will. I'll be in Thailand, but like I already said, I made a bunch of phone calls, and I'm going, have a, I'm going to have a bunch of cool things hooked up for you and your wife. I promise you that, all right?
1: Oh, man, that's wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: i just got to tell everybody listening, the best part about meeting Jack, uh, so obviously, being a huge Kentucky fan, I meet Cameron, introduces me to him. I'm a bit overwhelmed. I walk over, I give him a hug, and then we exchange phone numbers, and the best part is he texted me, Jack Gibbons, dot, dot, dot. Kentucky basketball, like there's another Jack Gibbons in my phone that I'll be (laughs) saying.
1: Well, I I just, uh, I didn't want to take it for
0: granted. I know you,
1: uh, you met a bunch of people. I didn't want you to forget who I was, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jack, let me ask you a question. The Goose, where'd that nickname come from?
1: Well, it actually started back in high school. Um, The guys on my high school team, that I resembled Goose uh, Tatum, who played with the Harlem Globetrotters at the time, and they said I resembled him and his style of play. So they started calling me Goose, uh, and it and it uh, of course I didn't like it all that much at the time, but it uh, it stuck with me, and I think nowadays more people know me as Goose than uh, uh, than know know my real name Jack. So um, it's one of those names that I got; it kind of stuck, and uh, of course everybody knows it now. So that's
0: uh, that's a good thing. It's always a good thing. Now, you were Kentucky Mr. Basketball in high school, uh, Parade All-American, all the athletes. Was attending the University of Kentucky a foregone conclusion, or did any other schools not only recruit you hard but have a legitimate chance to sign you? Well, um, I mean, you know,
1: I I, I didn't just grow up in the state of Kentucky. I grew up in Lexington, about 15 minutes uh, walk to, uh, to the university. So... Um, you know it was always always around actually though i didn't follow uh kentucky basketball as a kid it was uh i mean they didn't have many black players at uk when i was uh when i was a youngster and i was kind of uh trying to form and and figure out what i wanted to do so it was a lot easier for me to look uh other places and try to find players uh that i could uh could be like you know uh, heroes and all so uh only when i got uh to high school and the university started recruiting me and then we started um my high school team was uh was really good and we started uh playing uh, teams all around the state and every game we went to i mean there was there were uh sell out crowds all all kentucky uh attire in the stands and 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 they made it clear they wanted me at the university of kentucky so uh, by the time I was a junior, I was fairly set on uh, going to the University of Kentucky. Uh, one one big issue for me at that time was, um, you know, I had never been on an airplane before, and I was scared to death <laughs> to fly. So, <laughs> you know, while UCLA and uh, you know all of these great schools were recruiting me, um, I wouldn't go visit because, because I was scared to fly. So. Uh, I tell Coach Hall, who was uh, Joe B, who was coach at the time, I said, "I'm the easiest uh, uh, recruiting uh, assignment you ever had because I was scared to go anywhere else, um, <laughs> um, you know." But I did. Uh, I did take a visit. The only other official visit I took was uh, to the University of Tennessee because I could ride a Greyhound bus. I got on a Greyhound bus and uh, I, I rode down to Knoxville to visit the University of Tennessee. Uh, and and they were actually second on my list. But University of Kentucky was, uh, particularly by the time I was a senior and and ready to make that decision, it was easy for me. I wanted to stay at home uh, so my mom and my family could see me play, and it worked out uh, to stay
0: at the university. Now, Jack, the one great thing, now, you had a tremendous career at Kentucky, and when I was reading about you the other day, freshman year, you beat Indiana, who was undefeated, And then you go to the finals and you lose to John Wooden's UCLA team. After that loss, did that just make you so much hungrier being so close to that title? Did that maybe um, push you guys and make you work harder for the next couple of years to get that elusive title? Well,
1: um, it's interesting because, um, you know, as a freshman, um, I mean, I didn't know any better. I thought you uh, we would automatically get to the final four every year. I mean, I thought that was just part of college basketball. I you know, I I, I didn't know uh <laughs> that you had to you you had to work hard at it, you had to get better every year and uh teams kinda uh come at you when you uh you finish second in the country, you know, runner up to uh, uh John Wooten in his last game as a college coach. Um, but it it was uh it was a, a little bit of a, a a difficult road getting back there in that uh my sophomore year we i mean that uh, when i was a freshman we had so many great seniors on that team we had uh of course Kevin Greevy and Jimmy Dan Connor and Mike Flynn and Bob Guyette. we had so many super uh seniors on that team and for us freshmen we just had to come in and play basketball the pressure fell on those guys so it was pretty easy. Uh my sophomore year, you know, we lost all of those guys and those guys carried the weight. Um and it took us a while to come around. As a matter of fact, we were uh ten and ten my sophomore year at one stage and on the verge of becoming one of the uh only teams in the University of Kentucky history uh basketball wise to finish below five hundred. But we did uh, we did win our last 10 games of the season, which included an NIT championship, which was pretty good. Uh, back in those days, it was pretty big, the NIT. We did that. We finished the game out of the Final Four my junior year. So uh, after we finished that year, uh, all of the seniors, and that was Rick Roby, uh, um, Mike Phillips, James Lee, and myself, I mean, we... Uh, dedicated ourselves to uh, doing nothing less than winning a championship. And, and that kind of set the pace for us the rest of uh, for that
0: senior season. Now, in 78 was obviously that magical season for you and for all Big Blue Nation. Let's get right to that tournament because you beat Magic Johnson and Michigan State on the way to play Duke in the finals. Now, I access to a few other Kentucky guys that I've had on. Other teams just like oh we 're in the championship we're playing for the title, playing for Kentucky while being a senior, did you feel enormous pressure to win a title because it's your four years there, you need to bring a title back to Kentucky?
1: Well, there was pressure, but no question about that we but but uh you know the thing that is really interesting is uh everybody I mean Coach Hall took a lot of heat uh that year because everyone accused him of uh, of, uh, you know, bringing the pressure and bringing it up on all the players and uh, thought we weren't having fun. They they accused us of all kinds of things. Uh, 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 I'm talking about the national media. Uh, I mean, they said we were, uh, you know, we were brutalizing the game because we were uh, physically in, so, uh, in very good shape. We lifted weights. We did all those things that uh, teams back in that day just didn't do. Uh, but the pressure uh, on us that year was brought, uh, as I just said, by uh, the seniors on that ball club. I mean, we had been there as a freshman uh, to the final game. We won the national uh, uh, NIT championship as a uh, sophomore. We missed the Final Four as a junior. We just did not want to come up short uh, again. So we remained focused all year long. We we uh, made sure that no distractions got in the way of us we sacrificed what people thought was fun uh uh we sacrificed a lot of things because we wanted to make sure we we just didn't have any distractions and uh and of course winning the national championship was huge uh it's huge anyway but playing at the University of Kentucky and winning the national championship is uh is, is even even bigger and uh we we found that out and for all those people who uh, complained about uh, our teams not having fun, uh, you know we we won a national championship and and the fun is in winning, of course. And we're still having fun to this day. That's one reason why I'm on the show with you tonight. So uh, so
0: that
1: so that's all good, you know.
0: Now take me to that famous game against Duke. Famously, you're 18 for 27. You drop 41 points in one of the greatest performances. In the NCAA tournament championship history, what go, are you just so in the zone? Take me through your mindset of that game. Did you know you just couldn't miss?
1: Well, um, you know, sometimes you 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 get in a zone and you you realize it, but you don't know to what magnitude. Uh, a lot of times you are in that zone. I mean, the the, the main thing uh, that happens as a player is watching the scoreboard to see uh, what the score is to make sure you're ahead and the other team is <laughs> not, uh, you don't pay that much attention. At least I never did. And, uh, we had so many guys on that team who could play and who were very effective players and who could score. I, I don't think any of us really paid that much attention to where the points were coming from. We, we just wanted to win. Um, but yes, I, I, uh, I knew I was, uh, having a big game. Um, I knew I was making a lot of shots. I knew my teammates were uh very focused on making sure they got me the ball. Uh the good thing is is uh for me is that Duke never made any adjustments in their zone defense. They uh were concerned with Roby and Phillips on the in and James Lee on the inside. Uh we had a, a number of guys on the outside who could shoot, including uh Macy and Jay Shadler and Truman Clater. We had a lot of really really good shooters on the team and of course I I scored inside and outside and uh it was my job to kind of find the open spot in the zone which was uh seemed to be in my range which was 15 to 17 feet most of the time so uh there were there were holes in the zone uh, that night and uh you know the guys were focused on getting me the ball because they they knew I was making shots um and fortunately they kept going uh but the real thing is is that Duke never made any adjustment then the shots continued to be there for the entire game
0: now the big question is how many copies of that sports illustrated with you on the cover do you have and i want the truth jack how many sports illustrated copies you got
1: <laughs> well, uh you know when i when i um when it first came out uh sports illustrated sent me and i don't know how many uh they didn't send me the whole magazine but they sent me the uh the cover the the uh front cover and the back cover you know everything but the meat of the magazine they sent me probably i don't know maybe 10 or 12 but uh so i probably still have some of those uh uh two or three of those and i've collected others throughout the year but the years but um uh it's amazing to me. It's not how many I have, but it's amazing to me how many copies other people have. Because even today, they—I mean—that's amazing how many people have that cover of Sports Illustrated. I don't know how many of them they made, but I get—I think every citizen in the state of Kentucky, uh, you know, has one of those things. Because I've—I've signed—I don't know how many of them over the years. Uh, and that's the thing that's most amazing, that even today people uh, come up with that magazine that, and ask me to sign it. It I, it's just just blows me out of the water that people are still doing that after all these years.
0: Now the question is, do you remember the headline on that Sports Illustrated?
1: Uh, the goose was golden, I think is, is, is what it was, yeah.
0: yeah. You're sure right. How was it playing for the legendary Joe B. Hall?
1: Uh, uh, you know, Coach Hall uh, was was a, a, a really good coach. He didn't get a lot of credit, uh, and that goes uh, and that's usually the case when you follow uh, a legend. And he came in after Adolf Rupp. Uh, he he uh, he had to really really work hard to make people believe that he was the right person for the job. And I'm not talking about initially. I'm talking about his entire coaching career. I mean, even. Uh, when he retired, there were still people who didn't think he should have had the job to begin with. Uh, But, but coach, he was a great coach. He was a very, very uh, uh, good tactician. Uh, He, he was a motivator for sure. Uh, And he never got the credit uh, uh, that he deserved. And, and I say never, he finally did because he was, he's now in the uh, basketball hall of fame. Um, so that finally came, but I think if you look uh at his record and you look at other coaches who have uh followed legends uh, and you define the legend who what what makes a coach a legend I don't know, but uh it's very rare that you'll see uh the following coach come in and do a good job and have the success that coach all had he he was very good at uh, I'm very very happy that he finally got into the Hall of Fame and and got some of the due he deserves.
0: Now after you win the championship, you get drafted in 1978 by the Hawks. I think 16th overall. I read. I always yes. ask this. To, to, I wasn't drafted. I don't know if you know that. I was not drafted by the NBA. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you? And how do you feel when you get that call that your dreams just came true? You go into the NBA.
1: Um, I was at my mom's house uh, you know they don't they back then they didn't have uh, everybody going to the green room in New York City and uh sitting around a table with all your family and friends until your number's called uh your name is called uh of course they didn't have it back then uh, I mean they didn't have ESPN. they didn't have anything back then it was, uh uh just basketball but i i was uh at home with my mom uh and uh, when I got the call of going to the Atlanta Hawks, it was very, uh, I was very, very happy about that.
0: Now, let me ask you this. I, I actually don't know the answer to this, and I was trying to look it up before I actually interviewed you. You played two years with the Hawks, respectable numbers, right. you scored over, over 1,000 points, seven points a game, three boards, three and a half boards. Why did your career only last two seasons?
1: Well, you know what, I uh, I uh, after my second year in Atlanta, I got picked by the Dallas Mavericks in the expansion draft, and um, I, I think uh, I got caught up in a numbers game. I mean, uh, we had a bunch of players there and a bunch of similar players. Uh, why they chose to keep some other players and, and not me, I, I don't really know. I never did get a real uh, solid explanation. Uh, but, you know, I... I uh, I don't know why. I just didn't love the NBA at the time. Uh, I mean, it was it, it was nowhere as popular then as it is now. Uh, the money was was nowhere close to what it is uh, now. That's for sure. Uh, I, I tell people when I was playing in the NBA, I almost had to pay uh, the Hawks to uh, to let me play. You know what I mean? Instead of them paying me, you know. Um, but but it was just not. Um, very enjoyable for me Um, and that is uh, and that's probably the main reason Um, another reason and and I don't know the reason why but uh, it's one of the things I talk to kids about a lot when I speak uh, to schools and to young people Uh, you know I I didn't have confidence in myself I didn't have confidence in my ability and if you don't have confidence uh, I don't care what professional league you're playing in but especially in the NBA uh, if you're not confident in your abilities, uh, you're not going to be successful. I mean, and uh, I just didn't have the confidence uh, on the NBA level that I had in college. So um, I, I just it, it was just not a great situation for me. Obviously, if I had it to do all over again, uh, and knowing what I know now and the mistakes I made, uh, particularly mental mistakes, uh, dealing with the confidence to, to excel, uh I would I would uh, do it all over again but I enjoyed the time I was there uh I, I went on and played overseas a number of years in different places and bounced around and uh I was real happy with my career but uh but but I was a college player uh and 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 I loved the college game and that's one reason why uh you know I'm I'm glad I made the des- decision to go to Kentucky uh, I mean it's it's make of college basketball, that's
0: for sure. Yeah, you mentioned going overseas, and I always love interviewing different players who do experience life outside the United States. I'm a huge traveler. What was your favorite country? to? I think you played in Japan and stuff. What was your favorite country to play in? Well,
1: uh, I I actually uh, love Japan. I mean, I, I, I tell you, I mean, I played in Italy, and it was nice, and I played in Belgium, and it was nice. Uh, but japan was just a totally different experience altogether i mean it it it, it obviously the language barrier uh made it so i had to study japanese and learn and uh and that was good that was fun i enjoyed uh being able to converse uh in another language uh i had never really had much uh foreign language in, in school so that was a good thing uh japan is uh is is clean it's safe it's very efficient uh, uh the people were friendly they loved basketball as a matter of fact they love all their sports there but they loved basketball uh over there was new fairly new for the country in that uh there weren't a lot of players from the united states there um uh but my team over there won a na- uh, another won a national championship so I got to experience uh went in the national championship here in the United States and in Japan <laughs> I was most viable player there I was I led the country in scoring and 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 rebounding uh a couple of seasons I was there so I I had a very very good career there uh uh you know, I mean, it was. I mean, but they really love their sports there, and their, their their sports heroes. They, I mean, I was on billboards and everything, man. I was huge over there, man. You know, I was, <laughs> I was I was the man, you know, in a country that I couldn't even say hi to people hardly, you know. But it was fun. I had a great time. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: Now, Jack, after you got finished playing basketball, you got into the broadcasting aspect of basketball. I'm. Um, yep. So I sit home, and I, I'll broadcast games all the time. Tell me and tell everyone listening something that we have no idea about when you broadcast a game, something that we would never think of, because we all sit home we all play broadcaster.
1: Well, um, for me, um, you know, when, uh, during during breaks, uh, timeouts, you, as an announcer, you know, you, you just like to talk to the person you're broadcasting with, and you might see somebody in the stands, whether it's a uh you know good looking female whether it's someone sleek, <laughs> uh you know who knows what it is but w- one of the things that was uh that took a little bit of getting used to when when the games first started going to cable and a lot of these cable networks uh you know they would have uh commercial breaks, but people who have have the who listen in their homes uh they may not get the commercials. Uh they would be hearing a lot hearing the announcers uh, uh talk during the breaks and what we might say and uh I learned very quickly to take the headset off uh <laughs> during those timeouts because we're seeing there were things discussed that people were hearing in their living rooms that were uh were at times uh less than less than P G rated, you know. So uh we had to we had to learn that very quickly.
0: Now, Jack, you brought this up earlier on, and I actually want to touch on it. Back to the University of Kentucky, because Kentucky had a history of not recruiting or not having many black players on the team. I think the first black player maybe came only a few years before you. Did that uh, potentially maybe play a role in you attending or not attending Kentucky?
1: Um, Well, I... I, uh... It really didn't, actually. I mean, I I was growing up here in Lexington. Obviously, I was very much aware of of stuff going on at the university, and it was interesting because there were uh, probably more African-Americans in Lexington. I mean, whether it was through my church, whether it was walking around the street, whether it was playing uh, pickup uh, games in the park, in the neighborhoods, you know, uh there were just as many African Americans that didn't want me to go to the University of Kentucky than uh than than the white people who didn't in my mind, the ones that I talked to who did not want me to go to the University of Kentucky. I mean uh, uh and I and I guess that's the, the thing with prejudice, it goes both ways, you know. Uh <laughs> it 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 really does. Um but you know when i was uh our high school team we would we would travel around the state i mean we would play games uh uh and every gym we went into, as I mentioned a little while ago, everyone was packed with i mean I'm talking about less than standing room only crowds i mean uh they were and and just about everyone in those gyms had Uh, blue and white on, you know, they had the Kentucky blue on and, you know, I never had uh, an incident uh, at any game or anywhere where someone said, we don't want you go to the, going to the university of Kentucky. I mean, I never, it never happened to me. So for me, uh, making that decision wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, I felt very much wanted at the University of Kentucky. Uh Coach Hall and his staff uh recruited me and they recruited me heavily. Uh they made it clear they wanted me to go there and uh for me it 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 never uh came into play either way. I mean I wanted to the main reasons I wanted to stay and go to the University of Kentucky, I mentioned I uh, you know, I turned down a, a, a trip to, I had I had the tickets to University of Hawaii. I was going to stop back through, UCLA, through uh, Southern California and visit UCLA. And then I was going to Las Vegas. I mean, I had that trip lined up. I mean, back then you could make as many visits as you want, man. I I, I mean, and that was stretched out over a one-week period of time. And I, I, the tickets, I mean, I, I tore them up and threw them away because I was scared to get on the plane. So um, the university, I mean, Kentucky, it was close. I mean, you know, it was, I could, I could, I could walk from my uh, from the uh, the housing project I grew up in. I could walk from there to the university in fifteen twenty minutes. So uh, it was close. It was an opportunity to stay home. I'm uh, I'm one of ten children, so uh, you know, all of my brothers and sisters were there. Uh, so you know, it, it was just an opportunity to stay home. Yes, they had great basketball and. I could get a good education. All of that came into play, but uh, the the racial issues never came up, uh, and 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 I'm 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 very blessed that it didn't because uh, my experience at the university was wonderful.
0: Now let me ask you about the fans, Big Blue Nation, because you mentioned they went to your high school games. I've gone to a few. Yes. Uh, a few. High, I went to a Michael Kidd-Gilchrist game. I might have yelled at him a little bit. Got to meet Coach Calipari out of it, but that's another story. But Were the fans as crazy back then as they are now? Because we're an obsessive fan base. We really are. And and Was it the same way back then?
1: Well, personally, I I mean, now, we didn't have all the social media, and we didn't have ESPN and all the sports outlets that there are now, and we didn't do podcasts and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's a more uh, – the fan base has – I mean I mean you're a New York City guy and here you are a big time Kentucky fan. I mean uh without all the different uh, uh media outlets that may not have happened. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how big it is now. But personally I think the uh the fan base the fan support the hoopla the the, the uh, was even greater then and um uh, the reason I say that is, uh, you know, we didn't. We also back then didn't have the one and done situation. So the fans got to know the players uh, intimately in ways they don't now get to know the players. I mean, yes, Kentucky family. You ask about Anthony Davis, and you ask about uh, uh, John Wall, and all of these cousins, whoever you want to throw out there. Yes, they know. And they love those guys. I mean, there's no question about it. But if you uh, if you talk to them about even going back to my years back in you know when we finished in '78, if you uh, if you talk to fans about the teams that they really love, it's the teams where uh, the players stayed four years, and 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 the fans. I mean, they want to know everything about the players. They want to know what side of the bed you sleep on. They want to know <laughs> when you get up, do you put your left foot down first or your right foot? I mean, they want to know what color underwear you wear. They want I mean, they want to know what barber you go to. I mean, they want to know everything. They don't want to know just that you are a good basketball player. I mean, the Kentucky fans, and you can't find that out in one year, all of the stuff they want to know. I mean, they want to – I mean, I had 10 – there are 10 kids in my family. I mean, they, they knew every name. They knew every birthday of all my, I don't even know every birthday, you know, <laughs> of all my brothers and sisters, you know, I mean, they want to know everything and you just don't learn that about players in one year. So I think because of the, uh, of, of the fact that we stayed for four years and fans got to watch us grow up and they, they got to struggle with us. They got to go to battle with us for four years. The fans had a, uh, a stronger, um, a stronger relationship with, with those of us who stayed than they do some of the players now.
0: Now, you just mentioned the one and done. Obviously, you don't seem like you're a fan of it. What would you want the rule to be? Would you want it to be... Because, you know, the, the big rumor, not rumor, a thing you hear a lot is that either you can leave from high school or if you go to college, you've got a guarantee two years. What would you make the rule to be if you could have any influence in it?
1: Uh, well you know I, I i can look at it from both sides i mean i'm a, i was a player and i've been a, been on the administration side when i was uh working with the atlanta hawks and and um, understanding what it takes to build a team um i have been on both sides of it uh but regardless uh uh my thing is uh what is best for the player uh now I say that and immediately immediately we think, well, that means financially the guys should be able to go whenever they want to go. And to some extent, that's true. But even at that, it's not necessarily best for the player to leave uh, uh, after one year. I mean, uh, most of the guys uh, are not ready, uh, whether it's physically, whether it's uh, uh, basketball experience, whether it's... uh, uh maturity level uh they're just not ready there's so much more to it than showing up and playing 82 games i mean you know um but i i don't know what the right combination is uh i don't know if it's 2 years i don't know if it's 3 years i don't know if uh, if it's going right out of high school i, I don't know but uh but certainly i see both sides uh the thing that is uh, that i'm really happy about is that coach Calipari is is able to uh to do what he's doing um and that is getting the best players whether they stay one year whether they play stay four years so he's able to get the best players he's able to uh keep the program going um and up at the top which is very, very difficult to do, by the way, getting new players in every year. I don't know if I would want to be coaching that way and have to start from scratch and teaching guys and trying to get them together uh, and and having just uh, 35, 40 games to do that. That's unbelievable what he's been able to do when you think about it. Uh, But uh, the thing that I tell people, I'm not a fan of one and done. That's for sure. I I mean, I would rather see guys stay for – three or four years, because I love the athletes he brings in. But I would much rather have them for the one year than to have to play against them for one year, you know. (laughs) I mean, I'd rather have them in the old and and wearing the blue and white, man, than, than, uh, you know, uh, having them going somewhere else and then having to try to figure out how to deal with it. I mean, it's a legal system. It is what it is. And and, uh, Calipari's just taken advantage of the rules, and and he's been able to... uh, uh, get the most out of players in a very very short period of time which is great for uh the kids and it's great for Kentucky basketball.
0: Oh, it sure is and it's fun. So obviously you're still watching the games. Who was your favorite player the last let's let's use the Coach Cal era. Who's your favorite player to watch? I'll give you two players you can watch, your two favorites. Um uh,
1: my two favorites uh um at uh, Kentucky one was uh uh, uh my biggest favorite might have been uh Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, oh, I loved just, him. Love him. Yeah, yeah. He was probably my favorite just because I just loved watching him work. I mean I mean I I just loved uh how he seemed to bring it every day. And I go over and watch practices some days and and uh I mean, I mean I like watching practice as much as I like watching games because I learn the most from players about how good they are and what kind of uh, character they have and, and what kind of competitor they're going to be. I learned that in practice more so than games because once the lights come on everybody can, everybody plays. I mean, you know, it takes nothing to get a guy ready to play, but uh going through practice every day is 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 very very tough. I mean, it's and 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 kid Gilchrist I never I never saw him have a bad practice and I, I i i he might have had some less than stellar games but it wasn't because of the effort he put out every every night so uh, uh michael he's he's probably my favorite and um my second favorite uh that's going to be tough because i i i, I love uh, ad i love anthony mm-hmm. davis uh um more so than anything uh, because of his attitude, because he could he could have been a 25-and-15-a-night player. I mean, anywhere else. I mean, he would have been 25-and-15. Uh, and either he was the, the best actor in the world, or he really embraced his role as teammate uh, as well as anybody I've seen. I mean, he... he he seemed to want everybody to be just as successful as he was. And for God, that has as much talent as he, um, that, I mean, that's just amazing to me that he was able to do that. I love John Wall, uh, because I, I just, uh, I, I just like his game. Uh, I like that he has, uh, excelled and that he's, uh, he, he plays hard. I mean, there, there, there are a bunch of them that I really like. I like, uh, I like Alex Fortress on this team, and not, uh, you know, and, and 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 one of the reasons I like Alex uh, uh, is because of uh, because I want him to be successful so bad, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I want him to come out this year and and give me fifteen and seven uh, a game. If he gives me fifteen and seven a game, Kentucky will win the national championship this year because he'll make everybody else around him that much better. That'll be hard to deal with if he can get fifteen and seven. So I want him to be good. Uh, I want him to have a great year. Uh, Any time a kid gets hurt, you want him to come back and and excel. So he has a lot of things working also. But uh, uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is 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 number one, and uh, number two would fall between some of those other guys
0: I mentioned. See, so you just you didn't you nailed both your points on the head. Anthony Davis, a rare college kid he's a kid who actually wants to make the other players better, and you nailed the staying four years, staying three years right in the head. Poitras stayed, and we loved him. Not that we wouldn't love him if he left after a year, but he stayed all four years, and you root for them so much harder the longer they've been there, and that's just, that's a special, special thing. But now, Jack, here's a great question. Well, I think it's a great question. I ask every person who's on my show this question. You and I are out. We're hanging out in New York City you want to impress somebody at the bar or the restaurant or the club, you're going to take your phone out. Who's the coolest person in your phone that would text back to you? Because I have a bunch of people on my phone who who won't text back to me. Who's the coolest person that you can impress somebody? Throw them a text at 8 o'clock on a Friday and they write right back to you.
1: Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I, I, have, I have guys like... Uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, who I got oh, to know when I was broadcasting games for the Orlando Magic. Uh, I think that one that might win, I, right? <laughs> I, say what?
0: That one might win. The the answer right there. That's a Shaq is a great one.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think Shaq would uh, would text me back. Uh, we we have a, a a good relationship, and I, I think Shaq would. Uh, uh, I have Barkley's number now. He might have changed it since I last talked to him, but uh, Barkley would probably text me back. Um, and, um, and then last year I was, uh, no, it was now two years ago. I was playing golf in Vegas, uh, with some friends and, and, uh, happened to run into Michael Jordan there, uh, uh, at the same, at the same golf course. And, uh, I was, I was walking through, I didn't want to bug Michael and Michael, called me, uh, out on the balcony where he and his guys were, uh, that he, who he had played with were, uh, sitting around smoking a cigar. And, uh, and Michael called me out and I said, man, I don't want to bug you. I'm I'm not going to bug you. He's out, no, come here, man. So I went out and hung with, hung with Michael Jordan a little while. And he said, man, when I was, uh, when I was young, man, after y'all won that championship, I was always goose. I used to shoot it with my left hand and I said, Michael, come on now. You, but, but, uh, but, Michael, I don't know that I would text him uh, anyway. But uh, if we were in the room together, I think we could have a good conversation. If he walked into the bar, which would be a little bit more impressive, uh, I think Michael would come over and sit at our table long enough to have a drink. So that might, that might impress somebody.
0: Yeah, that might bring us home with the two prettiest girl. Well, you're a married man. I'll go home with the prettiest girl if I can sit down there with Michael. I think – I'm going to tell you something, Jack. I think you might have won the coolest person my phone contest. I've had hundreds of different athletes on here, different authors, and, and the Jordan Shaq Barkley is – that's a trifecta of unbelievableness. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> well, you know, now listen. I, I have the numbers in my phone, and I've had conversations
1: with all of them. Now, whether or not they would text me back immediately – um i i i i I don't know if they would but they would definitely
0: get back to me at some point (laughs) okay put it like that a couple more questions i really appreciate you having coming on i'm having a great time and i want you this is has to be you you got to be real with me with this question where do you rank on the all-time list of kentucky players
1: Um, Well, uh, scoring-wise, I'm third on the list of Mm competitive players. Uh, Now, popularity-wise, I usually am always listed uh, in the top five. uh, Always? uh, Usually, but now, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, it's been... A long time, obviously, since I graduated in 1978, and we've had a lot of guys uh, come and go from that, you know, between that time and now. Uh, but to be uh, to be listed uh, in the top 10 or so, uh, I, I'm very, very blessed to have even be in the number, you know, because there's so many guys uh, that uh, have gone through there from the time I left now. So. Uh, so I'm 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 in the number. I mean, people still know who I am, uh, which is amazing. Particularly uh, as many young people uh, who come up, uh, even younger than you, who come up and uh, I mean, they know stats. They know, man, you did this and you did that. And I'm talking 17, 18, sometimes <coughs> younger uh, year old kids. And I'm like, man, uh, your parents weren't even thought about when I was when I was there. I know you don't know who I am, but they. They rattle a lot of stuff, and I mean that—that's it, it, one of the amazing things about Kentucky basketball, man. I mean, people—people uh, uh, people know, uh, and 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 if they don't, I mean, you might be young, but your parents or your grandparents or someone—they uh, pass along the UK basketball legacy to their kids, and uh,
0: that's that's just Kentucky basketball. Yeah, that's see, that's my issue with the girls. The reason every wife and girlfriend and everything leaves me it's because they don't understand and I, and I and jack that's the honest truth when, when we hang out I'm, i'll tell you the story that's a huge issue in my life this kentucky basketball now let me ask you do you keep any memorabilia from when you played
1: oh yeah oh yeah i have i have a bunch of stuff and and unfortunately i have a bunch because we're we're getting ready to move my wife and i from where we are now to uh back to the lexington uh area I'm about an hour and fifteen minutes away now, but we're gonna move back to uh the lexington area uh here uh here in ne- the middle of next month so I'm having to get all this stuff together so i have i have way way too much but probably, uh uh you know i have uh um uh, the things that i most uh uh am happy to have uh, i have a set of the nets from uh the 1978 championship i have i have uh uh people clipped off of them but i still have the nets uh from 1978 from one of the goals which is which is good and i have my uh, i have the trophy that i got for being uh, most outstanding player uh in the final four that year uh, i still have that um and i have uh someone at, right after the game put a blue cowboy hat blue uh, Kentucky blue cowboy hat on my head and I had a lot of pictures with that hat on and I still have that hat uh that I mean now it's it's not in great shape and it probably needs to be dry cleaned or whatever you need to hat to get them back get them back together man but uh, I mean it needs some work but I still have that of course I have a bunch of other I mean pictures that I mean you know I have everything
0: but uh, those are the are some of the things that I'm uh, most proud of. Now let me ask you this: Number twenty one is what you wore. Cameron Mills. Mm-hmm. My favorite. My favorite player growing up was Cameron Mills. How do you feel with the great Cameron Mills carrying on your number twenty one uh, tradition and wearing the, the jersey number? Are You okay with that? <laughs> well,
1: uh, Cameron has to probably fall in behind Tayshon Prince, who also yeah. wore that. And and did a good job of uh, of of making that number uh, you know live live. But uh, yeah, Cameron is a a great guy. He's a a good friend. And uh, uh, yeah, I I don't I don't mind. I mean, you know, they retire your number or they or or something uh, because they have it hanging up in the number 21 with my name on it hanging up in the rafters uh, of, of Rep Arena. So I know that I know that uh, that means something, but I don't understand why all these other guys get the word number 21. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna figure that out one of these days. Now listen, I'm gonna end with
0: this because I'll, I'll be honest. This interview exceeded all expectations. I'm I was so excited to finally talk to you. I wish we could have did it live when you came up here, but I know you're coming up here in two weeks. I'll be in Thailand, like I said. But I'm telling you, the offer is out there on the air via text message. I want you to come up here in December for the Ohio State game. I'll give you private tours of the Freedom Tower. I know you're scared of heights, but we're going to go to the top of the Rock, top of the Empire State Building, <laughs> Rockefeller Tree, Fifth Avenue for all the Christmas stuff. We're going to walk to Brooklyn Bridge. You have to come up here in December, Jack.
1: Well, I am going to try my best. Uh, my, I think my wife would love to New York, I mean she's going to see it for the first time here in a couple of weeks uh, which is, I'm I'm really bummed out that you're not going to be there because you were going to be one of the real highlights of our tour uh, uh, going around with you and, and getting the uh, behind the scenes uh, look at New York City, you promised us to go to uh, your favorite pizza joint and, yes, and now I know. we're not going to so be able said. to do that and uh, you promised us a good hot dog and we're not going to get to do that <laughs> now so uh we don't have to we don't have to come back just to uh, get to live some of these experiences you already told me about but uh but but I have been in New York uh uh at christmas time and I told her it was it's just beautiful that time of the year and it's 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 different in New York than any other time of the year just simply because the stores are all decorated and, well, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but uh, we will make an effort uh, for sure to get there in December. Absolutely. now
0: here's one thing, and I'm going to put it on the air, and I have to do it. You're moving down to the Lexington area. I come down usually probably, well, now twice a year to see games. I'm going to sneak in with you. We're going to go see a practice. You can let me watch Kentucky practice. Is that a deal? That's a deal. That's a deal. We'll do it. That is. That just ended the show on such a high note. Listen, it was an absolute pleasure and honor to talk to you, and I really mean that, my man.
1: Thank you, Mike. I I had a great time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next time, and and we'll we'll have a lot of fun together. It won't be this time in New York, but maybe in
0: December we'll
1: we'll get to hang out. And if
0: not in December, I'm, I'll come down to Lexington in January, February. That's a deal.
1: That's that's perfect.
0: The legend Jack Goose Gibbons. Jack, have a great night, brother. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much. Good talking to you, and thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, sir. What an honor to talk to him. It, when I, I'm in a suite. Yes, I'm going to keep saying I was in a suite at Commonwealth Stadium with Cameron Mills. I'll keep saying that. And we go outside from my old Kentucky home, and you should follow Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Mills. Put a Z at the end, and you see me. I had a few tears in my eyes, and he introduces me to Jack Evans, and. I guess I was a little shell-shocked, a little overwhelmed, because he's one of the greatest players to ever play Kentucky basketball, and I went over, and I, <laughs> I shook his hand, and then I proceeded to hug Goose Gibbons right there. I hugged him, but I had a great time with him. He was supposed to be in New York last weekend, but we got hit with, a, I guess, the hurricane that just turned into a few days of torrential downpour. Well, you, everyone heard it on here. I'm going down there just to go to practice to meet with him, but... Everyone, thanks you for listening. Coming up the rest of this week, we have former number two overall pick in the 1991 NBA draft, New York City legend, New Jersey net, Boston Celtic, Portland Trailblazer, Kenny Anderson, and then 10-year NFL veteran. He played for the Giants. He played for the Saints, for the Panthers. Played for Ole Miss. I wanted to have him on last week to talk about undefeated Ole Miss, but now they got a loss. Tutan Reyes. And, of course, I'll keep harassing Pete Rose until he lifts the restraining order and lets me on the show. Everyone, thank you for listening. And this is probably the first conversation I had because I was so upset over the Yankees. So I had to get my mind off of it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night.